This year, I am focused on saving and investing, but I still want to do things like travel. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side-by-side to maximize your spending, some even offering 10 times points on your spending, which means you could end up with a free flight or maybe a better hotel room. So what could future you do with smarter financial decisions? Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Eating processed food for every meal isn't healthy for people or for dogs. We all know that. And kibble is subject to multiple rounds of high heat processing, making it an ultra processed food. The farmer's dog is real, fresh, healthy food with whole meat and veggies gently cooked in human-grade kitchens to preserve their nutritional value. My dog, Barnaby, loves the farmer's dogs. When he sees me pulling one of those packets out, he comes running. It's personalized, vet-developed, and it has recipes for as little as $2 a day. Meals arrive in pre-portion, ready-to-serve packs, and they're conveniently delivered on whatever schedule works for me. Get 50% off your first box of fresh, healthy food at thefarmersdog.com slash happier. That's 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash happier. Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast about how to be happier. This week, we'll talk about why we might help people to not disappoint us. And we'll talk to Deepa Iyer about a framework she's created to help us identify the roles we might play in bringing about positive social change. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. And to everyone's astonishment, I am still in my home office right here in New York City. And joining me today from L.A. is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft, my sister, the sage. That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And Gretch, we're still here doing her thing at home. <laughs> yes, just keep trucking on. Yep. Now, before we launch in, we got a wonderful update from Erica in Jersey City that we wanted to share. Yeah, she says, I'm 25 years old and have been listening for five years now, which I just (laughs) realized is 20% of my life. Mind blown. This is one of the first times writing in, and I wanted to thank you for the biggest surprise I received because of your happiness hack in episode 311, Find Happy Memories by Searching for Old Properties Online. My grandfather passed away a few years ago, and his house has since sold, but we have so many happy memories that I decided to view his house with Google Street View. I was shocked to see that Google must have not updated his area in at least five years or so because the Google Street View showed my grandfather entering his house. The Google car must have passed by when he was coming back from an errand, and just seeing him again at his house was like uncovering a gem I didn't even know existed. So that's so lovely. Yes. What I a great thing. That. Yeah, it's really fun to see how people are making use of that. We've heard from several people who really have had fun doing it. Yeah, my, our mom has been doing it, too. Our mom has been doing it. My father-in-law was doing it. He was looking up his old houses. He was, like, astonished to find that it's there. Yeah. <laughs> and one of the houses he lived when he was young has been quite renovated and updated. <laughs> we were all very surprised by how updated it looked. <laughs> 
And now this week's Try This at Home, which is help people not disappoint you. So if you think they might disappoint you, give them a little hint. Give them some help so that they don't disappoint you. Yes, much better not to set yourself up to be disappointed. Yeah. Now, I I felt extremely mature and advanced when I did this a while back. I was doing the edits for my book. I forget which book it was. And I was working with an editor, and this editor had a pretty sharp personality, which I liked, but I was awake in the middle of the night waiting for her edits, and I was thinking, she's going to be mean. She's going to be snarky. And it's going to really, really upset me. And I was getting all worked up, filled with kind of like anger and resentment for this person who, as so far, had done nothing. Right. Um, <laughs> this was all anticipatory. It didn't seem unlikely. And yet, and yet nothing had actually happened. And I thought, you know what? I could just tell her. I could set myself up not to be disappointed. So I emailed her and I said, look, whatever you say, I'm going to take very hard. I'm going to hear every word you say. I'm sensitive, which is not that uncommon for writers. And so it would really help me if when you're making your edits, if you would use a very gentle tone Mm. because you don't, a gentle tone will will land, like I'll get it. And I don't want to have to spend my energy managing my emotional reaction, which might distract me from really taking to heart what I am sure are going to be your very insightful editorial comments. And the funny thing is she emailed me back right away and she said, hey, I know exactly what you're saying and I've already reworded some of the edits that I'm planning to make. So it wasn't unfounded. Good for you. Well, I did feel very mature, (laughs) but I was like, why not tell somebody, Yes, this is going to hurt my feelings. This is going to matter to me. Uh, This is important to me so that they know and and it's not you're not setting yourself up in a situation that you might, like, I was able to see that coming, which meant I was able to do something about it ahead of time. Yeah. And there's some obvious places you could apply this, like birthdays and anniversaries, like, hey, remember our anniversary is next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should we make a reservation for dinner somewhere? I was actually, Gretchen, thinking about how I might apply this in my own life, uh, because I was thinking I would love it if Adam like got me flowers. It's sort of just something I would enjoy. And yeah. I thought, you know, maybe I'll say to him, oh, by the way, I've discovered a florist that I really love. This is it. If you're needing to get me flowers, oh, I would suggest this place, which is like kind of a reminder without being like a dictate. Well, it's also good because it makes it easier for the person to fulfill it. Because I think sometimes the person might have like an intention, but it's like too many steps or they don't know exactly what to do or they don't know exactly what you want or they it never moves to action because there's just too much murkiness. Now, this gets to the point where you don't want to be passive aggressive and you don't want to be dropping such heavy handed hints that a person feels controlled. (laughs) And it is a fine line. And I can imagine that many people are like, oh, well, I, I know example where maybe somebody thought that they were trying to help me not disappoint them. But in fact, I felt like they took all the fun out of it or all the spontaneity out of it or like I wanted to surprise them and then I couldn't surprise. So it is one of these things where there is a tension. Yes. But you don't want to make it a test. Right. You don't want to set people up thinking like, you know, sometimes it's there's almost like a gleeful feeling. 
<laughs> when somebody is like, I thought you were going to disappoint me, and you did. Yes, exactly. And I think this is like, know your your quarry yep. here. It's yes, like, yes. you kind of know who would benefit from this and yes. who would not. Yes. So there's you have to be a little bit honest with yourself on that front. Like, I think Adam would appreciate that. Yeah. But another person would not. Yes. And also getting me flowers is not like buying me a new car or whatever it is. You know what I mean? It's also the question of how attainable. Like in the case of the editor, she was writing edits for me. I mean, that was going to happen. Yeah. So it wasn't even like a situation where somebody was doing something additional. Yeah. Like I said to Jamie one time when we had, uh, we, we were at some occasion and I said, look, I'm planning out my toast and rehearsing it in advance. I remember and I this. think you should do the same too. And I think you sometimes overestimate how good you are on your feet. Uh-huh. You're pretty good on your feet. You're better when you prepare in advance. And I'm just saying right now, that is what we're looking for in this situation, <laughs> to be clear. And it was a great toast. I remember and that. It was. It was. But I was like, again, it's like I, I imagine these things happening in the future and I get myself all riled up. Yeah. To the, when people haven't even done anything yet, which is not fair to them. Yeah. And Gretchen, you know, I think this could even be applied in so many situations, like at the doctor. That's a place that's kind of sensitive, right? It can go wrong at the doctor. And so you could say to your doctor, look, in the past, I have felt sometimes like doctors haven't really answered my questions thoroughly. So I just want to make sure we take some time for my questions, you know? Just setting it yes. up so that you will be, your your expectation is being set and therefore you're more likely to not be disappointed. Well, I, absolutely. And then maybe in the workplace, if you're like, yes. okay, this person's consistently late, you could sort of say, you know, I'm going away on vacation. And so it's going to really be a problem for me if I don't have that material in time, because that's going to mean that I'm going to have to work on my vacation. So that you're sort of like, well, sometimes they're on time, sometimes they're late, but this time it really matters if you're yeah. late. Maybe sometimes I let it go, but this time it really, really matters to me. This is one of these things where I think I think you're exactly right. It's like know the person that you're dealing with. Yeah. Use what you've learned. Yes, yes. Yeah. So let us know if you do tread this at home and what are some ways that you've helped people not disappoint you? Let us know on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Drop us an email at podcast at GretchenRubin.com. Or as always, you can go to the show notes. Go to the show notes for happiercast.com slash 313 for everything related to this episode. Coming up, we've got a reading happiness hack. But first is break. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Elizabeth, I got the Flow Knit Wide Leg Pant. It's very light. It's perfect for the summer. It packs very easily. I recently went on a trip with my family, and I took it with me, and they were just the thing to wear on a really hot day where I wanted to be covered up, but I wanted something that looked great and also was very comfortable. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. 
Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash Gretchen for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Gretchen to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash Gretchen. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and free. And, you know, Elizabeth, I now work with a team and hiring the right people is so important. It's maybe the most important thing. And LinkedIn makes the process of identifying and hiring people easy and intuitive. I know that when I've been hiring for my team, it's hard to find quality candidates to interview. And LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. We're getting all these great hacks related to reading because of our hashtag read 21 and 21 challenge, which if you have not joined, join us now. We're hearing from so many people who are so happy about all the reading that they're doing in 2021. And here is a great hack. Yes, this comes from Emily. She says, as an upholder, I love a list. I have a list in my phone for everything, including one for the books I've read that year. For years, I never gave up on books. I hated because I needed to add them to the list. (laughs) I would go months without reading anything because I dread picking the book back up. To combat this, I've started adding the abandoned books to my list of completed books, and I add something in parentheses like didn't finish too depressing. It helps me get that sense of completion so I can move on to a book I'll enjoy, and I don't feel like I'm lying because I admitted that I didn't finish. Maybe this is most helpful to upholders in our lists and rules, or maybe it would help anyone who feels they need permission to abandon a book. Gretch, we talk about this all the time. I am one of those people that falls into the trap of if I'm not liking a book, I might go months without reading. Not now because I'm reading 21 and 21, but I get this. Well, I think it's this feeling that you should finish a book, that there's kind of a responsibility to finish a book. It kind of reminds me of like, remember the thing where people are like, what do I do with clothes that are neither clean nor Mm -hmm. dirty? You have to have sort of that hook where it's the things that are in that middle space. This is kind of like, they're not unread and they're not finished, but they're mindfully not completed. And that's a legitimate category. Yes. And I think that's really great. And I think for a lot of people that would really allow them to get more books read that they enjoy joy because now they have a way to not feel bad about not completing. Yes. It's like their social contract with the book has been met. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, it sounds silly to say it, but people really feel this way. Oh, I felt I know, this way I for do. years. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And also, uh, Emily mentions being an upholder. And if you do not know if you are an upholder, a questioner, an obliger, a rebel, as always, you can go to the quiz at quiz.gretchenrubin.com. And find out what tendency you belong to and what it means and how it might be affecting your read (laughs) 21 and 21. Yes, I think obligers could definitely benefit from this tip. 
Obligers too. And now it's time for an interview with Deepa Iyer. Today, more than ever, many people, including the two of us, are asking ourselves, what can I do to put my values out into the world? Deepa Iyer's work helps us to figure out the answer to that question. Deepa Iyer is a South Asian American writer, strategist, lawyer, and racial justice advocate. She's a strategic advisor at Building Movement Project and director of Solidarity Is, a project that provides training, narratives, and resources on building deep and lasting multiracial solidarity. Deepa's first book was the award-winning We Too Sing America, South Asian, Arab, Muslim, and Sikh immigrants shape our multiracial future. She also hosts a podcast called Solidarity Is This. I got interested in Deepa's work when a friend told me about a framework she created, um, her social change ecosystem map. It identifies 10 roles that people play in helping to bring about social change. Hi, Deepa. Welcome. Hi, Gretchen. Hi, Elizabeth. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's so fun. Now, Deepa, your framework makes it so much easier to see clearly how we might match our own values and skills to our actions and to identify areas that we might have overlooked, but where we have a role to play. So there's 10 roles. Can you take us through a quick description of each role and its contribution? And we'll tell you which one, so you don't have to think of of them off the top of your head. Sure. So um, as you know, Gretchen, the entire framework is really intended to help folks and organizations that want to get more effective and engaged in social change to find their role and connect with others in their ecosystems. Mm. So builders, what is this role? So builders are people who are the ones who are able to take a vision, a big idea, and actually implement it. Mm Mm-hmm. And we're both storytellers, Gretchen and I. What do storytellers do? Yeah, so storytellers like you are able to translate information using different forms of mediums, right, into ways that people can understand. So in terms of social change, um, I think a lot of about people who might be artists who are able to take really difficult concepts around justice and liberation and translate those into art, music, drama, so that people can really engage with them. And probably empathize with it as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And what about disruptors? Yeah, disruptors. I feel like disruptors often get, you know, a negative reputation at times. But I think of disruptors in the way that uh, Congressman John Lewis would say, people who get into good trouble, right? So (laughs) disruptors. Such a great phrase. Yeah. And so disruptors are people who are not afraid to shake up the status quo. Um, I've been using the example for uh, of Naomi Osaka, the U.S. Open tennis champion who last year came into the championship wearing a face mask with the name of a Black person who had been killed by police or vigilante violence. And in that way, she was really, without words, shaking up the status quo of the sports industry, of being on the court, and sending her message directly to people that were watching. And so those are disruptors. They shake up the status quo. They make you feel a little bit uncomfortable. Um, but it's for, again, the bigger cause. Right. As you're going through these, I realize some people are more than one, like Amanda Gorman is like a visionary, a storyteller, a builder, yes. you know. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. 
And how about speaking of visionaries, visionaries? Yeah, so visionaries are those folks who really see the North Star. Um, They can point us in the direction that we're headed. They are able to articulate that in a way that's often inspiring as well. And then caregivers. I thought this was great that you included this because I imagine that caregivers might often be overlooked in terms of their importance to the, the larger map of change. Yes, so exactly. So Gretchen, oftentimes caregivers are invisible. Um, We don't often value the work of care and nurture. And so it was really important to locate caregivers in any social change ecosystem. So caregivers are those who are able to um, provide the the nurturing support that others need. So I often think of, for example, when a lot of folks last uh, summer were participating in the uprisings at the rallies, You also had caregivers who were providing those frontline responders, those disruptors who were at those rallies with what they needed. So that could be food, that could be water, that could be asking them, what else do you need, right? And so caregivers are really important parts of any social change ecosystem. And what are the frontline responders? Because, of course, we think of frontline responders as like EMS, Mm -hmm. but I think there's a bigger meaning here. Yes. So frontline responders are folks who are ready to take control when there's any sort of community crisis. So I often think about with the pandemic, for example, of course, we think about our essential workers. I also think about people who were able to put together neighborhood mutual aid associations um, very quickly, right, in order to respond to the crisis and its effects on the elderly or children, for example. Yeah, My neighbor, who's 70 himself, went around asking if people needed help. And I was like, I think you're not supposed to be the one running errands, but he definitely saw himself in that role. Yeah. Now, experimenters, what is this role? So experimenters are people who are ready to take some risks in a, to advance that big vision. They often work very well with builders and visionaries. Um, they are ready to be innovative and they're ready to course correct because sometimes our experiments don't always work out. I think experimenters mm. are those who, you know, there's this sense of we have to get it right all the time. We have to have it perfect. And experimenters remind us that it is important to follow your instincts, to take a risk, and then learn from that and course correct as you move forward. Yeah. And what about healers, Deepa? So healers are a little different from caregivers. Both of those roles obviously do provide care in some way. But healers are people who actually see um, sort of the the meta. They can look at an entire ah. community's sort of intergenerational ah. trauma. Mm. Interesting. And what about guides? Guides are the people who I often think of um, who have that third eye of discernment and wisdom. They have walked the path before in a way. So this could Mm. be the elders in our communities, right? This could be people who um, Mm. are uh, wiser because they have actually been part of social change movements and they can provide us, uh, not necessarily to say this is exactly what you should do, but they can tell us about the benchmarks that we need to be keeping in mind if we're taking that same path. And then I love this, I don't know what it means, I'm dying to hear, (laughs) weavers. Yeah. So I'm a weaver. I'm sure that maybe both of you are as well. I mean, there are a lot of weavers out there. So weavers are the people who really see the through lines of connection. There are people who can put together funding. There are people who can put together Ah. the different ideas and string them together. 
And so, Deepa, how do we use this in our own life? I mean, I feel like anytime you have a taxonomy and a vocabulary, it helps to clarify people's thinking and maybe how they can plug themselves in. How have you seen people use this to get better understanding of themselves and society? Yeah. So I think one of the ways people have been able to use it is to answer the question, what do I do next? What do I do now? Um, I think a lot of people um, are getting more awakened to injustices in our country and around the world. And the question, once you've got that awareness, is often, well, what do I do? Where do I begin? And so I think this particular framework offers people an entry, an entryway, a pathway into taking change by recognizing a role that they play. I think it also um, helps folks understand that they're not alone. Oftentimes mm-hmm. when we do social change work, it can feel isolating, it can feel overwhelming, and it can feel impossible because we're talking about big things, right? Like <laughs> equality <laughs> and justice. Yes, yeah. yes. That have been plaguing the human race yes, since yeah. yeah, the dawn. Yeah. So understanding that we're part of an ecosystem and that we're connected to each other, that we don't have to take on all these roles, right? So I think both of those pieces really have helped people to utilize this framework to get started. Well, and I love the idea that you might not be in a position where you can be a visionary and get out there and change the laws and and do big things, but you can support others. Even if you're just a regular person, you can contribute. And I think that's such a a better feeling than just this total powerlessness that many feel. I appreciate you saying that because I think that oftentimes we um, delegate these kinds of the social change work, right? We delegate it to, you know, like uh, people who are in political office or we delegate it to people who are visionaries, like civil rights luminaries. And part of this is that every single one of us has a responsibility to take a step, to take an action, right? We don't... this should be our business. Social change should be our business. And it should be something that each of us is invested in. And this is one way to think about how we actually get going on that path. Right. But if you think that the only, it's like, well, I could be a builder, a disruptor, or an experimenter, it might be like, well, that just doesn't suit my nature. Like, I'm not that kind of person, or I don't have those kind of ideas. This sort of shows you a bigger range of possibilities. And then I think it feels much more attainable. Yeah, I do think that as we understand ourselves as social change agents, um, this sort of framework might be helpful in thinking about the most effective ways that we can show up and understanding, like you said, Gretchen, that it can change from context to context. Mm. Well, thank you so much, Deepa. It's so fascinating to hear this, and it's such a helpful framework. I will post a really useful image that um, you've created on this in the show notes so that people can see the map for themselves. So thanks so much for coming to talk to us. Thanks, thanks Deepa. You. Thank you so much. Appreciate all that you do, Gretchen. Thank you. Coming up, Gretchen teaches me a new word as part of her happiness to merit. But first, this break. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. As your kids get older, some things about parenting get easier. They can dress themselves. They can clean up after themselves, allegedly. Other things don't, like having conversations about money. The fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money unless they're actually in charge of it. That's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on their kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. 
Yeah, Jack has green light. And one thing I love is that it includes a chores feature where you can set up one-time or recurring chores and reward kids with allowance for a job well done. Gretchen, we used to mow the lawn. How much more motivated would we have been if we'd had funds deposited when we completed the hut chore? Mm -hmm. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash happier. That's greenlight.com slash happier to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash happier. Gretch, I love eating sandwiches like a grilled cheese or a peanut butter sandwich is my ideal lunch, but I'm very aware of my carb intake, so oftentimes I avoid sandwiches. Luckily, Hero Bread has remade carby, empty-calorie bread products into fluffy, delicious versions that include no-net carbs, zero grams of sugar, and fewer calories, plus it has protein and fiber. I have been using it to make grilled cheeses, and I use their tortillas to make a cheese quesadilla, and I am in heaven. Hero Bread tastes great, has a terrific texture, and helps you meet your nutrition goals. Don't give up being a breadhead. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use happier at checkout. That's happier at H-E-R-O dot C-O. Okay, Gretch, it is time for demerits and gold stars, and you are up this week with a happiness demerit. Yeah, so I realized um, that this is something that I do that I need to stop and that I don't want to chivy anymore. Now, that's the word I was saying, yes. Gretch, that I didn't know this word. So it's C-H-I-V-V-Y. Yeah, so chivy is like to badger someone, to nudge them, to pester them, to goad them, to just like, eh, 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 eh. <laughs> And I realized, you know, maybe this is part of being an upholder or whatever. It's like I get so eager to get things crossed off my mental list. And, you know, a lot of things on my mental list are actually something that is on someone else's list, but that I feel like I have an obligation to make sure that it's done. And so I want them to get it done. And so I keep chivying them to, <laughs> to complete it, even though it's like it may not even be ripe for being done or like they haven't even delayed or procrastinated. They're just not doing it now. And, you know, sometimes it's like, you know, like to take an obvious example, it's like when you say to a kid, get ready, get ready, hurry, hurry, hurry. But when there's still plenty of time mm. before it's time to go to school, I just sort of have this impulse to hurry people along and to make sure that they're like staying on track. But if they haven't gone off track, they find it very annoying. I will say that. I am guilty of being a chivy, uh, a chivy person. Well, and Jamie sometimes does this where I think he's not even really listening to what someone's saying. He's just sort of throwing it out there almost absentmindedly. And I think if you're not paying attention, it's easy to lose track of how annoying it is to somebody, especially somebody who's pretty conscientious yeah, and feels like, well, I've got this. I'm doing this. Let me just do it in my own way, in my own time, which even if you're not a rebel, everybody wants autonomy. Yes. And so I think it's easy, maybe especially with children, to fall into a habit of just perpetual nagging mm -hmm. or nudging, mm -hmm. even when a person doesn't need it. And it, I think it's, I think it adds a, like an element of annoyance that is, that may not be necessary. So I, my, my new motto is don't chivy. Okay, good. Okay, gold star, Elizabeth, what's your gold star? All right, well, Gretch, I have to give a huge gold star to Adam this week, my husband. He, uh, 
is almost reached like superhero status with this one. <laughs> we had this thing since the beginning of the pandemic where our cell phones stopped working reliably in our house. They worked wonderfully for years and years and years, and then they just stopped. And I was constantly losing calls. I had to use my landline, which I hadn't used in years. Yes, it was really, I mean, it was a, it was a problem. You yes. experienced it. I did. And... Adam has been trying, we've been trying to solve this for months. We've had like four different people out and this and that and the other thing. Finally, Adam was on the phone with them. He realized what he needed. They didn't want to give it to us. By the way, this was not a free item. It was something that was going to help our service. And they were like, no, we don't have any. We can't give it to you. When I say give it to you, I mean, sell it to you. And he said, (laughs) okay, finally, he was like, well, we're going to leave. And they said, okay, we'll send it to you. So we got whatever we needed. I don't know what it is, but I do know that it arrived. And Adam then spent the whole evening installing it on his own. Okay? Wow. And now, Gretchen, we have normal service again. It's amazing. And can I just say, no one is happier about this than Sarah, my writing partner, co-host of Happier in Hollywood, because this, to her, has been the bane of her existence. So Adam saved the day. But just to paint a picture of how bad this was, <laughs> at one point, as I recall, a service provider came, was stumped by it. And when you said, well, then what should we do? He suggested that you move yeah. to a different house. Yeah. No, it and was you're like, like, is there something else we could yeah. do other than actually move? Yeah. No, it I was I thought, that insane. is bold. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was bad. People just throwing up their hands like, yeah. oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, well, gold star to Adam, because yes. that's annoying to deal with, like, in 15 different ways. Yes. Took a lot of patience on his behalf. Too. Yes. Oh, yes. The resources for this week. I am a fan of using milestone days to prompt me to think about change, whether that's, like, the new year or my birthday or whatever. And I think Valentine's Day is a great milestone like this. It's a great reminder to think about our romantic relationships. So if that is interesting to you, consider joining my 30-day relationship challenge. You can use promo code FEB2021 to get half off this month. And as an extra bonus, you'll receive a free membership to HiHo, which is a brand new video app where you, me, and other listeners can have a conversation with each other in a special Q&A event. This is not Zoom. Um, It's a platform where we can all gather, be seen, and heard. Join the Relationship Challenge today at courses.gretchenrubin.com, or you can click click the link in the show notes. And we mentioned, of course, hashtag read 21 and 21. If you are joining that challenge, you can join now. It's never too late to begin or keep up with us. And if you want to track your progress, you can download a free PDF at GretchenRubin.com slash resources. You can check off each day as you go and give yourself a gold star for every month you complete. Um, and speaking of reading 21 and 21, Elizabeth, what are you reading? I am still reading Warlight uh, about two thirds through. How about you, Gretch? I am reading Hamnet by Maggie O'Farrell, which I'm very much enjoying. Good. And that is it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Help people not disappoint you. Let us know if you tried it and if it worked for you. Thanks to our terrific guest, Deepa Iyer. Go online to look at her social change ecosystem map. The link is in the show notes. And we'll also post a link to a Q&A that Gretchen did with Deepa. Thanks to our executive producer, Chuck Reed, and everyone at Cadence 13. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Instagram, at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Liz Craft. 
Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. And if you've liked the show, please be sure to tell a friend. That is how most people hear the show. And subscribe to us, rate us, and review us. Really, if you rate us, like a five-star rating is so easy and so helpful to us. Big gold star to you if you give us those five gold stars in the app. <laughs> Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and Upward. Elizabeth, I just wonder, like, how many work hours were consumed with somebody being like, oh, I can't hear you, and you being like, oh, how's this, how's this? Oh, constant. It's a game changer, Gretch. And now I just want to call people because I didn't even want to talk to people on the phone for like 11 months. I know. It's huge. It's huge. Gold star to Adam. That is huge. From the Onward Project. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework.